0: I don't know if you've caught up with uh, with what we do there. This is the word of the Lord, and you say, "Great, that's really good." Um, does anyone know why we do that? Just a bit of mindless repetition is good for our hearts, is that? Sorry, Jeff, you got it. You got it right. Yes, okay, good. Uh, good. Okay, well, that's great. No, um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to affirm when we hear God's word that it's good and that it's God's, and that we. I think sometimes after we hear the readings our hearts can be bent to thinking, I'm not sure I want to do that. And part of us reinforcing the fact that we're acknowledging together, this is the word of God, is actually us saying, I'm now going to sit underneath it. Okay? So if you can help us in that practice, that would be great. And I think, um, Decky, you're almost ready to go there. Is that right, mate? You're ready to bust it out. That's great. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and ask that God would help us as we spend our time together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this letter to the Philippians. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes now be at work by your Holy Spirit. Challenge and change us, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. All right, so we're in our second message on the book of Philippians, and we're actually getting to the book of Philippians. So that's, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, last week, we talked about the background, and this week, we're going to dive into those verses that were just read for us. But I want to start by telling you about a bad day. A bad day. Uh, does anyone know what that is? Ice cream? Yes. Yes. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a great deal of sadness when it comes to ice cream, isn't it? So uh, when it's there, it's not in here and something bad has happened already. So you're having a bad day, ice cream on the ground, and everywhere you look, there are just queues of people, right? Ice cream on the ground, queues of people, you are just having a terrible day, okay? Absolutely appalling. Until, yeah, there we go. That's how you're feeling, bad day time. until you look up and you realize where you are. Okay, now you can have a bad day. You can have a bad day, but I think what happens for us is often our world collapses down to our circumstances, and we fail. We, we're just having a terrible oh, kid. We're having a terrible day, right? Right where we are, and we fail to recognize where we are. And if we looked up, we'd recognize that even having a bad day at Disneyland is much better than having a bad day somewhere else. So you may as well, you may as well look up and enjoy where you are tonight I want us to look up I want us to see uh, a different view a view of ourselves a different view of our church and a different view of our prayers Uh, so that's not a very big aim is it easy aim we're just going to change those three things no problems at all no it's going to be a lot of work and that's why I prayed at the start because God's going to help us All right, in order to get us into thinking afresh, we're going to be looking at these opening verses of Philippians, uh, verses 1 and 2, the bits that we race past, and ordinarily we just go, oh, Paul, yeah, tell us, let's get to the really important stuff. I want to show you that there's some good stuff right at the start here. So uh, census night again. Uh, How would you describe your relationship to Jesus? Would you say you're friends with Jesus? Uh, Maybe you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe Jesus is just a curiosity to you. Maybe you're a student, he's a good teacher, you're a student, maybe you've got something else that you'd say, me and Jesus are homies or something like that. I want you to see at the start of this letter that Paul tells us something about his relationship with Jesus. Have a look with me at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. It says here, Paul and Timothy, he's actually writing with Timothy who helped found the church. Paul and Timothy, what are they called here? Servants of Christ Jesus. You see, for Paul, the descriptor that he wants to have in his relationship with Jesus is servant. Or elsewhere, we might see the word slave. Slave or servant. Now, it's one thing to say that Jesus is my friend, in which case I put my arm around him and I have a good time hanging out with him. If I'm Jesus' servant, the question then becomes, what would this description change for you? If you thought my primary form of address to Jesus is, here's my Well, what does a servant need, incidentally? What does a servant need? A master, right? He's my master. I'm his servant. How do you think that helps me relate? See, if Jesus is just my friend and he says, I'd like you to go and make disciples of all the nations, you might say, thanks, Jesus. You can't mean me. If he's my master and he tells me, go and make disciples of all nations, that changes the dynamic, doesn't it? I see somebody nodding. Thank you, Bill. That's great. You're getting it. It does change the dynamic. And so what I want you to think is, what does knowing that Jesus is your master, that you are his servant, how does that change things for you? How does that change things for you? Well, I said I wanted to change how you think about this gathering as well. So let me ask you, what do you think about this gathering? Uh, How would you describe this gathering? It's a gathering of friends. Well, hopefully increasingly we're getting to know one another and that we might be friendly together. gathering of friends. Maybe it's a gathering of fanatics not enough energy here for us to be fanatic. <laughs> so let's, let's scratch that one off the, uh, off the list. Okay, uh, Maybe it's a bunch of God botherers. I love this. It's just one of my favorite turns of phrase. Oh, you're all a bunch of God botherers. I think it's hilarious. If it's God's invitation, incidentally, why would it be a problem to bother him? Uh, maybe you're a bunch of Anglicans. No, no, we're not a bunch of Anglicans. Okay, very good. Maybe you have another descriptor for us. Uh, in Philippians 1, B, it says this, Paul is writing to who? Have a look with me. God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. So what's his descriptor of us? He says that this gathering is a gathering of holy people. You could even say it's a gathering of saints. What are the implications if we were to be addressed tonight as a gathering of saints? What does this tell us about what we should be like? Well, what it tells me is, I can grab the mic now and go for a walk to the fort and have a chat with someone who's holy. Is that right? Because if we're God's holy people, right, that must include you, right? In which case, I'm just going to come down from the front and stick a mic in the front of someone and say, how are you going being holy? Anyone up for it? Not so much. It, it, It seems like it's a form of address that today makes us feel a little bit awkward, right? You're God's holy people, and we go, Surely he must be talking about someone else. But he's not. But he's not. And this is why, okay? Paul addresses the church in Philippi and his, his new identity for them. He taught them that they were slaves and saints. I've, I've turned both of those, those words up to 11, yes? Slaves and saints. Those two things together. How could we be slaves and saints? Well, he says that we're slaves and saints in Christ Jesus in Jesus how are we in Jesus you sort of think well isn't Jesus at the right hand of the father in what way am I in Jesus when I believed in Jesus I was included in his destiny what he has done has become what I have received so Jesus died I died Jesus was raised I've been raised Jesus will inherit all things guess what I will inherit all things My destiny is bound up with Jesus. So in a very real sense, I am in Jesus. And then this church is at Philippi. And uh, it's actually important that they are God's people at Philippi. Because in the next town, if if Paul hadn't stopped there, guess what? There were probably no holy people there. So they're God's holy people at Philippi. So we're in Jesus since we've been joined to him. And our location matters where God's holy people hear. So tonight, you are servants of Jesus at Orem Park. How wonderful. Oh, great. Yes, I hear that. Fantastic, mate. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, I want to ask you, what's your favorite greeting? When you meet a friend or when you pick up the phone and you, what do you say? g'day i love that there are g'days going around this is from hindsight bean man incidentally um, <laughs> who was born in scotland but i love that you use g'day tom that's fantastic uh what else do people use when they greet their friends sorry hi okay that's good hey how are you very polite oh hi i'm gonna take a cup of tea oh how are you nice to hear from you <laughs> lovely i think that's great how else do we greet our friends I did say this morning, what's up? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think we do that. Sup? Sup. Sup. I was a bit cooler than that. All right, very good. Well, I don't think we actually do that at all. Uh, interestingly, Paul has a favorite address. A favorite. He has a favorite opening, and he uses it all the time. Paul loves this opening. And they go together like a lock and a key. They go together. always belong together. Okay? His opening is in verse 2. Have a look with me. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in such a hurry to get into the rest of Philippians that we just breathe straight past this. Why is it important? Two things, grace and peace. What is on offer is grace, full forgiveness through Jesus. Grace has been offered to everyone. The key is in your hands, peace. Peace is what has happened through Jesus. If you take the key... God can unlock forgiveness for you, yeah? If you find forgiveness from God, you can know peace in your heart. You're no longer God's enemy. You've been reconciled into friendship. So what's an offer? Grace, the key. Peace, the fruit of an unlocked life. It's pretty good, isn't it? So when Paul says grace and peace to you, it's not just a variant of live long and prosper. He's actually saying, I am announcing the good news of Jesus that you have experienced you should know grace and peace. So maybe over, here's our physical challenge, over supper tonight, daggy thing to do, I want you to greet each other, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Okay, try it, try it. It'll, it'll be brilliant. I'll catch on, I'm sure. Uh, do, you know, do you know these two gifts in your life? Do you know grace and do you know Peace. Peace is absolutely one of the most precious gifts of God. And if you do not know forgiveness in Jesus, it is so hard to find. In fact, I'd argue it's impossible to find elsewhere. Do you know these gifts in your life? And then I want to ask you, if you say yes, which is the answer we all want to say, how do you experience them? What does it feel like to have God's peace? Have a think about that. Uh, Do you know what a good apple is? Do you know what a good apple is? What, what characterizes a good apple? Crunch. Yes. What else? Juice. Juicy. Yeah. Sorry? A burst of flavor. Fantastic. Uh, I know what I don't like in apples. Um, I don't like them to be flowery. You know, you know, do you know what flowery? People, yeah, flowery. Okay, good. Don't like that. Uh, and I don't like them to be too big. These giant apples that I have going around these days. Craziness. I want them to be this. Carrie helps me out. She gets apples the right size and fantastic. Okay, all right. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm weird. I, it's okay. But I know what I want, right? What are the characteristics of a good apple? That's good. What are the characteristics of a good apple? Well, great design, uh, good usability. Uh, very good. Okay. So great apple, great apple. You know what the characteristics are the things that mark them out as distinctive, right? Here's the question What are the characteristics of good Christians? What is the fruit you see in the life of a good Christian? How would I know a good Christian? How would I know if I'm a good Christian? Interestingly enough, we see Paul addressing them with a whole bunch of stuff here in verses three to six, and I want you to see and think with me. Have a look at verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And you might go, okay, so there's a lot of words there. How is this telling me about Christian character? Well, I, I want to suggest to you that we see here things that are distinctively Christian. Thanksgiving. Because if you're not a Christian and you realize that something is really good, right? I, I'm a dawn fan, right? So I, I go and look at the dawn, the, the new morning coming up. And I look at it and I go, God, you're awesome. Thank you for making this beautiful day. If you're not a Christian, what do you do? Well, this is an amazing day. It's a bit lonely here in my own head in my big, empty, physical universe that has no spirituality or divinity? Where do you take that? Do you see? Where do you take that overflowing? I think it's a profoundly human thing because we have eternity placed in our hearts. We want to be thankful people. And so I think it's, it's distinctly Christian to be full of thanksgiving. Paul says, I, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Isn't he wonderful? It's distinctly Christian to be praying, obviously, to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. We're, we're praying people. That's distinctive. And Paul is a huge prayer. I love, I love the way he prays. One of the things that Mark is out, he says, I always pray with joy. It was funny because this morning Tom's wife, Joy, was here. We said, we always pray with joy. There was a sneaky look around as people looked and found joy in the congregation. That's not what we're saying. We don't always pray with joy, although I hope you do, Tom. Great. Um, What we're saying is we have in our hearts an overflowing sense of delight and thankfulness. It's woven together. It's not happiness. It's deeper than that, and it survives hardship and wells up because of the goodness and faithfulness of our God. I always pray with joy, Paul says. Now, that is a Christian, distinctive. He talks about the distinction of partnership, that, the, the, that true Christian fellowship will be found in partnership, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He says, you guys have joined me in making this mission into Macedonia possible. I'm so thankful for your partnership, your partnership in the gospel. It's also distinctly Christian that he has great confidence about what will happen, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He's confident that God will be faithful and do what he has promised see we can be confident in god because of who god is god says i'm the lord i do not change he's never going to forget a promise he's never going to leave you an unfinished project isn't that amazing he'll never leave you an unfinished project and so paul can say i'm confident that he who began a good work in you will see it on to the day of completion how wonderful is that christian confidence and lastly, we're left with an expectation. We are people of expectancy because we look forward to a day of Christ Jesus. One day Jesus is going to return. Did you know this? I told you before, I didn't know this for years and years in my, 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 uh, my Sunday school years. No one ever told me Jesus was coming back. So I want to tell you today, he's coming back. Someday, and I am expecting it. I'm living today in light of that day. We're people of expectation. Well, how does this line up? How is this distinctly Christian? Well, I explained last week that Paul is orientating the whole of Philippians around this concept of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So we've got Paul over here, and he's experiencing joy and partnership with the Philippians. Can you see that over there? And as he considers the goodness of the gospel, he is shooting up to Christ, up to Jesus, thanksgiving, thanksgiving prayer he has an expectation of his return and great confidence in his work in the philippians that's pretty awesome isn't it they overflow in confidence around the gospel so here's what i want you to think i want you to be encouraged that god will finish his work so if He's started on you guess what god's never going to let up be confident that he will finish his work and i want you to consider how distinctively christian are you do you know that joy do you know that thanksgiving Are you faithful in prayer? How distinctly Christian are you? I love this picture. Does anyone know where this picture was taken? Isaac, where was it taken? Somewhere in Oran Park. Very good, mate. Better than somewhere. Does anyone know exactly where it was taken? Car park entrance. entrance. Uh, This was taken on the site of this church about five and a half years ago. It was that corner up there and where where these guys are looking behind that sign that says future church is where we are meeting tonight. And what it is, is a picture of my faithful friends from Wollongong where I've been ministering for six years down there who came up to see Caro and I when there was four adults and four kids in the church and they said, we want to pray for you. We want to pray that a church that doesn't exist yet into being. We want to pray for this block of land. We want to pray for the people who sit in it and God be praised, here you are. In answer to their prayers, I am so incredibly grateful for their Christian friendship. Have a look at what Paul feels about Christian friendship here in verses 7 and 8. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So Here's the thing, Paul loves them. He absolutely loves them, but that's a huge surprise. I want you to think about Paul. Paul is, at his heart, he's a Jew, okay? He knows the food laws. He knows that he's part of God's chosen plan. This is when he's growing up in school. He's part of God's chosen plan. He knows the Gentiles are out there somewhere, but we're the faithful people of God, right? Imagine if you told him when he was at school that one day he'd be in prison in Rome for Jesus' sake, writing to a bunch of Gentiles in Macedonia and telling them how much he loved them. Mind-blowing. He would not have believed it. How has this connection come about? Because of the gospel. Because Paul has found Christian friendship around Jesus of the most unlikely people in the world. It's extraordinary, isn't it? So Paul's in prison in Rome, and he writes a love letter. I think it's not quite a love letter, but he writes a letter of friendship to this church in Philippi to say, you are on my heart. My heart overflows. My prayer overflows for you. And he mentions uh, their partnership in the gospel, and that's the best expression of their friendship. And it came through a man called Epaphroditus. And I said this morning, more kids should be called Epaphroditus, I think. Uh, what had happened was the Philippians knew that Paul was in jail in Rome and they had sent Epaphroditus over 1,000 kilometers from Philippi to jail in Rome to pay some of Paul's expenses and to show love and care for him. How extraordinary. In response, Paul is writing back to say, I love you guys. You're awesome. Thanks for your gift. That's the heart of what we're seeing here. Um, so what I want to ask you is, do you know these sort of gospel friendships? Friendships that are not just formed around common interest, but around a common saviour you have friendships like that? And if you do, how could you express them better than you are now? So I've got a mate I'm thinking of right now who I need to call and say, brother, I want you to keep running the race. I'm praying for you. How do we express Christian friendship? All right, a uh, little, uh, little bit of involvement here. Consider what would you pray for? If you had to pray for uh, your sports team, what would you pray? And Darren... We get your Care and Connect cards, so we know what you're praying. What do, you, what do you ask us to pray? Sharky's Premiership. Okay, very good. All right. So if you're going to pray for your sports team, it's not very complex, isn't it? Don't pray for great relationships in the team. What do you pray for? <laughs> very good. All right. Tigers fan. Tigers fan. Okay. But you're praying, that, you're praying they're going to win, right? If I'm praying for my sports team, it's clear what I should pray for. I should pray for them to win. You have to know what's the game. And then I want them to win that. What about if you're praying for your friends? It's a little bit more complex, isn't it? I'm going to pray for my friends. There's no obvious win to be praying for. So what do I pray for my friends? I think we need to think about what they really need. What do my friends really need? As opposed to what would they like? How about when it comes to our church? Assuming that you are ready to pray for your church family, you can see this is a big night at uh, New Life at night. That's a joke. That's 10 a.m. Okay, very good. Um, so, what do you pray for your church family? I, I think we have to know what's God's plan for them. So, if I'm going to pray for church, what do I pray? Lord, well, pray that the lights don't go out tonight, and more people don't get lost coming. What do we pray? We have to know God's will. So let's turn and see what Paul prays. He prays for them very beautifully in verses 9 to 11. So let's have a look at them. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What does Paul say? He says he wants more love. Love is the engine here. Love is the engine. What does he want to pray? He wants to pray for a wiser love, that your love may abound in knowledge of God and depth of insight into his purpose. If you have a more informed love that knows and grows, then something will come from it. You'll have more discernment. You're like, okay, did I need more discernment? What are you discerning? You're discerning what's best. Not what the world tells you is most important, but what is best. You will be people, if you have a better love, who will understand what is best. And what's the point of having that? Because if you know what's best, then you'll make more pure choices and you'll make a holy life. And you can help me out now, why does it matter that you live a holy life? Who are you guys? God's holy people. So that's why we need to do it, right? God, please give us more love that we might have more discernment, that we might make pure choices, that we might truly be your holy people. So if that's what God wants... Shouldn't we pray differently? The answer is, great, excellent. When it comes to purity, holiness is the game. And Paul says he wants the Philippians to be blameless. He wants them to be filled with fruit and he wants them to be ready for that final day. When he says he wants them to be full with the fruit of righteousness, there's a great great passage uh, if we have a look here. The fruit of the Spirit is, can you read it with me? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Wonderful. Here's what I want to tell you. Pick a fruit. Pick a fruit of righteousness that you want to pray that you will see in your life. Lord, give me more. What are you going to say? Pick one. Actually pick one. Don't just think about picking one. Write it on the Care and Connect card. This is my fruit. I'm picking... Good. Glad. Can't see much writing, but that's good. Uh, Glad that you picked a fruit. So what we want to do is we want to be ready for the day of Christ, bearing the fruit of righteousness. I say let's get started on one of them. I want to finish with this picture here. Uh, It's a picture called Earth Rise. Earth Rise. It was taken from Apollo 8 as they came around the back of the moon They became the first humans in all human history to see the earth rising over the top of the moon. How good is that? Well, okay, I'm a nerd. I like this stuff. I think it's pretty amazing. Now, that is what I call a changed worldview, okay? You can't see that view unless you're coming around the back of the moon. You've changed your worldview. What is the most important thing according to this prayer that Paul prays? God's will is for his glory. Have a look the end of verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, what? To the glory and praise of God. See, the end is that God will be glorified and praised. So Paul doesn't pray for his situation. He doesn't say, please pray I'll get out of jail. He doesn't pray for his situation. Instead, he prays for their transformation, that they be changed in light of their destination, i.e., that one day they'll face God. So Paul doesn't pray for his situation, but for their transformation in light of their destination, which is seeing God face to face. If that's what Paul prays, then question, shouldn't we pray differently? Yeah, yeah, we should. Okay, great. Here's our challenges to finish up with. I think we need to embrace our identity. Are you servants of Jesus? The answer is, are you God's holy people? The answer is, fantastic. Embrace your identity. We need to express our distinctives. So if we are actually Christian, we need to act in a way that shows, bears fruit for God. We need to express our distinctives. We need to enjoy our partnership. We're here. We're God's saints in Oran Park for Jesus. We need to express our partnership by going about our work with passion and enjoyment together. And lastly, we need to expand our prayer. We saw tonight how Paul prayed for the Philippians. And my challenge would be, how are we going to pray for one another? We need to expand, expand our prayer. Let me pray. And then we're going to have uh, question and answer time. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the challenge tonight. I pray that you might impress on our minds that we're your servants, that you have made us your holy people in Jesus, and that we might have a passion, Father, for your glory, filled up with love and devoted to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, questions. What questions do we have off the back of tonight's sermon? Or anything else that's happened recently? Have you got questions? If you don't, I'll ask you what fruit. No, Peter, yes. What's the Jewish greeting? The Jewish greeting is shalom. Peace. Thank you, Peter. It's a very helpful observation. So when the Jews greeted one another they would say peace be with you or peace shalom and Paul expands the Jewish greeting with the Christian addition of grace which is found in Jesus. It's a beautiful very helpful question. Thank you very much Peter. So peace but we add grace and peace because of the forgiveness that's found in Jesus. That's fantastic. Thank you Peter. Other questions that are helpful to the course of my message? Uh, Welcome. No other questions? No? Great. Oh. oh, Peter, go again. Sorry, Peter. Why was Paul singing in jail? Because he was not into swearing. Yes, very helpful. So when Paul was beaten with rods and chained in jail, and Peter and I had a good conversation on this last week, I think it's very helpful. Instead of swearing because of the pain, he's singing. And so wonderfully, the Philippian church is founded in joy in hymns in the middle of the night it's founded in praise and joy which i think is beautiful Peter. and the whole jail was listening absolutely they couldn't tune out these men who were singing through their pain wonderful <laughs> fantastic all right well we might uh, we might end uh q a there if you've got additional questions you can always find me afterwards